welcome to episode 143 of the Two Guys, a Glove, and a Coke Bottle podcast. He's Thomas Todd. He's Danny Zarchi. And we're Giants fans, and we are in first place. You and I? Yeah, we are. Welcome. Welcome to first place, Thomas. Uh, look, the, down, uh, look down at all the podcasts beneath us. Oh, wow. And they wept. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a good couple months in Giants Thumb. It's been a particularly good couple of weeks. Um, Giants are in first place, like I said. First team to 50 wins. They reached that mark yesterday. Um, they didn't win 50 games all last season, if you can believe it. I don't think anybody did. <laughs> Certainly not you and I. And uh, after today's games, the Giants are three and a half games above the Dodgers and four and a half games above the Padres, which uh, are uh, either equal to or more than the gap between first and second place in every other division in the league, despite the Padres and the Dodgers both being really, really good this season. So the Giants are having a good season, Thomas. How are you feeling? I'm for it. Yeah? Pro, pro Giants winning? Uh, we have ranked choice voting here in New York now, and this right. was my this was my first choice. Okay, nice. I like it. Maya, um, Wiley, Maya Wiley, number two. Yeah. Uh, number three is Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> and then my last choice, I Andrew Yang. Did you <laughs> did you vote for mayor? Are you registered in New York? I'm still registered in California. I'm going to absentee. Okay. Uh, I vote absentee for the New York mayor. <laughs> no, for to uh, to not recall Gavin Newsom. Oh, that's a good that's a good call. Um, so yeah, um, the Giants just took two out of three from the A's this weekend. The Giants are taking home the coveted Bay Bridge Trophy. Thomas, how do you feel about playing against the A's? Now, I feel like every one of us in Northern California has a piece of the Bay Bridge somewhere within us. We've all been on it. We've all been over it. But I do like taking home this crooked piece of metal to continue to shove down the throats of A's fans that our team is better than theirs. So the Giants rivalry against the A's has obviously been a a big, a big uh, thing for the last several years. A big fabrication, a big fabrication. I grew up watching both teams. Lots of people like both teams. I don't think it's a real rivalry, but it's more of like a, a big brother, little brother thing. And, uh, Anyway, our friend GG Giants on Twitter is always making fun of the Bay Bridge Trophy. They're trying to make this thing more than it is. But it's always nice to win two out of three. The Giants, once again, avoid the sweep, which they seem to be doing uh, both when they're winning and losing. Can't sweep, can't get swept. But um, uh, So today, today was, was the, the rare loss, but they've been real hot. Um, we last recorded two weeks ago, and at the time we predicted – how the Giants would be doing, how the Giants would do against in the upcoming series against the D-backs and the Phillies. And if you remember, Thomas uh, predicted that they would go six and one, that they would sweep the D-backs and then take two out of three against the Phillies. I took a measly pessimistic guess that they would go five and two. And uh, who was right, Thomas? Was I. Who has two thumbs and was right about the Giants? This guy. <laughs> And we're on an audio medium, so I'm not sure this is really going to work. But, uh, yeah, good job, Thomas. Um, 
So yeah, two two and one in the Bay Bridge series. Uh, they swept the Angels in two games, and the second game against the A's was particularly exciting. Uh, they went to extras, and uh, the Giants got the first walk off of the season, at which I think uh, Dave and John were in the booth today talking about how they were surprised it was the first walk off. I mean, feels like the Giants walk off a lot uh, in wins. I should add <laughs> that they they uh, they they win walk offs fairly often and obviously this is a, a year with a lot of wins first walk off um how was that for you how was the game it was wild so in new york it's three hours later than uh-huh. it is in california simultaneously so i was up very late watching this game but i was very stoked to watch a fun interesting back and forth baseball game where Uh, For the second time this week, a player that I was ready to throw things at my TV to injure, uh, Talkman earlier in the week, Kasali, uh, in this game, came up with uh, a big hit or a big home run uh, in extra innings. So I've had a little bit of bad luck in giving up on players. I did it three times this week. Talkman, after all those strikeouts against the Angels, Kasali, couldn't get anything going. And uh, earlier in uh, one of the games, I was just like, you know what? Donovan Solano sucks. Then he comes up and mashes a home run. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to stop giving up on these guys. Well, if you were around for the, uh, the, the prime days of McCovey Chronicles, you may remember the uh, earnest ragging principle, I believe is what it was called, which is there's no better way for a player to become hot than for the community to turn on him and say and decide this guy sucks. And it has to be done in earnest. You can't fake out, uh, you know, unjinx a guy. It has to be genuine. I, I'm done. You know, he's dead to me. And then all of a sudden, he, he you know, he hits the, uh, the, the walk-off grand slam yeah, or whatever. Yeah, because I can't give up on Barry Bonds in 2001. Like, oh, man, what, what garbage he's been playing. He uh, he, fa- he fouled one back earlier in the game, just unacceptable. Yeah, if that o- if that OBP drops below six hundred, then I- I'm done. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, so it, it was a great it was a um, great week. It was a great week to be a Giants fan. You don't like to lose it, uh, to leave the week on a down note, but you can only do so much. The rotation's been carrying a big load. The bullpen's been solid. Uh, the offense a little bit more spotty. Um, but you, you know, you're going to take the excitement too. You got a game where the Giants scored six runs in a single uh, extra inning, uh, which rarely happens, leaving a nine-three in the box score after the game in an extra inning game, and then um, so many lead changes against the A's on Saturday that you just—it's—it's it's good baseball. It's good to be—it's it's good time to be a baseball fan. Yeah, and and yesterday's game was so funny because I was I was sitting and watching. I was watching the game with our friend with our friend Rob. And uh, who's a Giants fan, but he is a little kid, so he hasn't paid that much attention in the last several years. And it's funny because just watching the game, uh, I'm like, oh, that guy. Oh, yeah, he's he was like a nobody. And then Farhan got him and now he's playing great. And then t- two minutes later, oh, that guy. Oh, yeah, he was a nobody. And then Farhan got him and now he's playing great. Oh, yeah, and that guy, yeah, he was a nobody. It's just like everybody, like, you know, how do you explain, like, Lamont Wade and uh, Junior, to be specific, um, and, uh, you know, and, and Donovan Solano, a guy who was, like, batting, you know, career 
batting in in the 200s and below 200 was in the minors and then comes up and bats 340 for the Giants you know it's just like how do you explain how there are so many of these guys who are just playing out of their mind for the Even Giants the reemergence of someone like Steven Duggar who was a fairly well uh, respected prospect who came up and they thought would contribute the last three or four years and just uh, because of injuries and ineffectiveness had kind of played himself out of a significant role. Uh, But this season, if you look at the numbers is the fourth best hitter on the team, which has been crucial. He scored uh, the winning run on Saturday and has just been overall a great guy to throw out there. So uh, a bit of a reclamation project from your own team, if you want uh, from the coaching staff and Farhan. Well, and Duggar, Doug, I mean, Duggar was a sixth-round pick. Uh, he's 27 years old. And, I mean, and, and the thing with him is he was always an elite defender. I mean, he was always going to be the center fielder. And, you know, we saw uh, a couple years ago when he would come in and then um, they would slide, what, Pilar over to right. And, like, that was, like, the elite defense is once you have – put Duggar in the, in the outfield as a defensive replacement, but he could never really hit. Um, and then this year he's just mashing. He's, he's come up, he's stayed healthy and he's just, he's got a 969 OPS on top of his elite defense, which is just, which is just incredible. Yeah. It's been really great to see. Uh, what did you think? It's a question just for you as a, as a baseball fan. What did you think of Otani? Oh, he's incredible. I love, I mean, Otani is great. He's, He's Babe Ruth. I mean, like, uh, it's always it's always weird to like think about perspective, right? Like, you look at Mike Trout and you're like, this might literally be what it was like to like, you know, when Mickey Mantle was in the league. With and, a lot fewer cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, like Otani has such a ridiculous skill set, and. You know, he's he's an elite pitcher and he's one of the best hitters in the league. And actually, I was having a conversation uh, with a bunch of Padres fans today about this. of like, should Otani win MVP? And it's like, yes. I mean, like, like if he keeps playing at this level, like, like, uh, of course. <laughs> I mean, he's he's one of the best pitchers and he's one of the best hitters at the same time. Right. Like I, I have I, I usually prefer when. Uh, that pitchers don't win MVP, but like in this situation, it's just like, yeah, he's just, he's just playing out of his mind. He's, you know, unbelievably good. And obviously it depends. Like we'll see how, you know, if Vlad is still playing out of his mind at that point, but anyway, Otani's incredible to watch. He's, and I, and I feel like the giants announcers were like appropriately kind of awed by him. You know, he, he, he throws, He's got, you know, a killer fastball. He's a great hitter. He's the fastest guy on the field, despite being 6'5". And let me tell you, being, you know, uh, being 6'5 does not automatically make you fast. <laughs> uh, For you, I feel like it's the opposite. Yes, exactly. There's too much body to, to lug around. Um, no, it was great. It was a great game. And, you know, and we put our ace against their ace and, and we won. It's just nice as somebody I, – I honestly I, – I follow the Giants, and I, I watch six out of every five out of every seven games, and I do my best. I really don't – I don't play fantasy. I don't watch other baseball games. You know, I don't watch the highlight packages at the end of the night. So I kind of experience baseball through a few Twitter videos, which this year it's mostly guys like uh, Tatis uh, and Otani popping up in your feed because those are the marketable players doing phenomenal things. 
but it's so nice to see it over the course of a game or a series where you get to kind of dive in and dig into a player. So that was really nice for me uh, to see. And I mean, as a pitcher, the Giants didn't really get the best of him, but they kind of Gossman kind of made him look silly at the plate. Yeah. um, And that was a really interesting point that the, uh, the Giants announcers were making at the time is that if you look at kind of the, uh, the breakdown of the pitching of the pitches at the age throw, they're kind of similar, right? They both, they both have a good fastball. They both have a good splitter. And that's kind of the bread and butter of what they throw. And, uh, yeah, there, there was one particularly impressive at bat, Im- impressive from the pitching side, not the hitting side, where Otani just looked silly trying to hit a, a, a Gossman splitter. And, um, you know, Gossman didn't look any better against, against Otani. Or I guess, I guess he, didn't, he didn't bat against Otani because we had a DH. But I'm sure he would have looked significantly worse against Otani. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, Otani's incredible. Like, and uh, I, I hope at some point he ends up on a team that will actually win. Yeah, one more uh, point before we jump out to our, our news and notes section after our score recaps here. Uh, Johnny Cueto, I, kind of a ho-hum game. You know, they beat the A's 2-0 on Friday. It wasn't the most exciting game. But Cueto just out there shimmying, getting out of jams, overall being a boss. That was nice to see. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's like he's had so many points in his career uh, with the Giants, especially in the last like year or two where he comes out and sometimes looks amazing has, you know, strings together a couple excellent starts and, and then he gets hurt again, or, you know, he, he tweaks something and, and it's always just like, Oh God, is this like, are we going to lose Johnny again? Are we going to lose, are we going to lose good Johnny again? And uh, it's always nice to see him kind of come back out and, and uh, you know, and put it together. And um, especially against a good team like the A's, the A's are good. Yeah, every every season there's kind of pivot players. They're they're the guys who aren't necessarily going to make or break your season or carry the team, uh, as you know, Posey and Crawford and, and Gossman are carrying the team this year. But uh, there's players kind of down in the four, five, six, seventh best player on the team section that can really make your season. And going into this season, I thought that was Cueto this year. If you can get um, not all star level production, but if you can get uh, workhorse like uh, abilities from Johnny Cueto in that third or fourth rotation spot, like the Giants are going to be chilling, uh, and that's kind of where it stands right now. Where all Cueto has to do is be pretty, pretty good, and the yeah. Giants' starting rotation is absolutely solid. You know, I, I mean, it's just you keep coming back to it. Like baseball is not football; it's not basketball. You don't have a quarterback. You don't have like LeBron as one of your five. Like you need a lot of good players and no matter how good your superstar is, they can only do so much. And your fifth starter is going to, going to pitch almost as much as your first starter and can do almost as much damage as your first, as your ACE, you know, did, did good things. And so um, it's incredibly important to kind of have, uh, have these guys who are, keeping the giants in the game, if not winning it themselves and, and, uh, you know, having Cueto and, you know, and, and having Sammy long, I mean, Sammy long pitched today. He didn't have a great start, but, um, but he's been a guy who can go out there and put up innings and, and, and has looked incredible at times too. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think we have reason to be excited about him that, um, that he may turn into a good starter kind of down the road, certainly more excited than, certainly can be more excited about him than like the Scott Casimir's or like the random guys that have been called up to kind of fill in like Sammy Long might actually be something. 
Yeah, and the Giants have had a fairly healthy rotation this season. They haven't had they've had a few bullpen games. You know, they've had guys go down. Logan Webb still making his way back, but overall, uh, top few starters have been healthy. They haven't had to dip too far uh, down into that bag of tricks uh, with, with a Scott Casimir or, or that type. So, um, Giants have been pretty fortunate there. We do have a couple of injuries we need to talk about. Uh, Brandon Belt, uh, that didn't look good. Uh, he's out indefinitely after uh, tweaking his knee, uh, being thrown at at home the other night. That's that's a tough one. I know I know the platoon yeah. of Wade and Ruff is is good. It's not great. Uh, Belt has such a great batting eye, plays solid defense, and is just overall a contributor. So that's going to be tough to come back from. Yeah, and Belt's you know Belt's having a really good year. I mean, like he he's never going to put up the kind of gaudy forty homer seasons, but he's got an eight seventy five OPS, um, which is made up of equal parts. You know, his excellent plate discipline. He's got eleven homers on the year. And three steals, you know? Who knew? What kind of season um, is he having what kind of season know, so, is he having on Twitter? <laughs> I, have you looked at his his Instagram? Like it got erased or something like that. I, I, I don't know exactly what, but um anyway, Brandon, if you're out there listening, tell me what happened to your Instagram. Um uh yeah, you know, so he's I mean, he would be on pace in a six hundred plate appearance season, he'd be on pace for thirty three home runs. Um which, you know, which is a good power season, uh, obviously, but he just keeps running into these problems. And then, he, you know, he'll come back out and maybe have some at-bats where he's not, uh, where he, you know, needs some time to kind of get his swing back. And, like, he came back from his oblique his oblique injury earlier this season and took him a little bit to, to get acclimated. And then he had, like, this super hot streak again. And so, like, I just want to see what Brandon Belt could do with like a full season of health. Like what, what is, why can't we have that? Why can't we have nice things? I know, especially because it may or may not be his last season as a giant. Uh, the other guy who is making his way back and hit a snag, uh, Tommy LaStella uh, breaks a bone in his hand. He's going to be out at least two more weeks. He was rehabbing, making his way back to the big league roster, but that's going to get pushed back a little bit. So the giants lose a little bit of depth there, but Lamont Wade Jr., who has been the guy who got forced down despite not doing anything wrong. Uh, the Giants just have so much depth in their position players right now that Lestella being out doesn't really hinder the roster at all. I mean, it'd be a good problem to have if he was healthy, but it just doesn't seem right. like the Giants have a depth problem right now. Well, yeah. I mean, we saw that We saw that, and Twitter went Twitter went nuts that uh, when Darren Ruff and Alex Dickerson both came off the IL, um, there just wasn't, there wasn't space. And uh, they sent down Jason Vossler, who's been playing well. Um, And uh, I mean, and when I say playing well, like he's been playing good defense, he's got a 739 OPS. Right. And, but then they sent down Lamont Wade Jr. Who's bad. Who's got an 854 OPS, uh, you know, which is, which you'd take from anybody. Like he would be starting with it for any other team. And there was just a, a roster crunch and he was the guy with options and um, kind of famously uh, Wade got the space over. Uh, I mean, he, he, he lost out to guys like Mike Talkman who the giants could have gotten rid of, but Talkman doesn't have options. Wade does. And, Talkman has not been playing as well as Wade, but, you know, I think Farhan and Morris, is that his name? The GM? Um, Scott Harris. 
Harris, there you go. I was close. We played, we played this game last week. And we I did. Have, I've now won twice in a row. All right. Uh, the, but the front office, you know, I think they made the, the, um, the long-term move where they said, all right, well, we're going to need these guys down the stretch, you know, for the rest of the season. And so putting sending away down to the minors as difficult, I'm sure, as it was and as bad it was for him as a person, um, he's somebody that could call back up as soon as Belt got hurt, which he did, whereas – they would have probably lost Talkman for the rest of the season if they had DFA'd him or something like that, put him on waivers. Well, and this happens with a platoon heavy team, you know, players. You need twice as many players. Well, play and players look more valuable because they're so set up for success by facing pitchers who fit their profile, fit their hitting profile that they are good players, but they look like great players or they're okay players, but look like good players because they're constantly being put in matchups that are to their advantage. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm getting a little dizzy with your, your sentence there. Does that make sense though? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, we just, we're talking about Lamont Wade jr. He's got, like I said, he's got an A54 OPS, and, and let's check in. He's had uh, 13 plate appearances against lefties. He's zero hits. He's, he's got a zero batting average against lefties yeah. um, and uh, one walk. Right. So, um, But, you know, you, you play him against righties, and then as soon as you, you start him against a righty starter, and then as soon as they pull him, you, you put in, you know, Talkman or you put in somebody else. I don't even remember. Is Talkman a, is Talkman a righty? Um, but so I have a question for you. Uh, so Lamont Wade Jr. He's a junior. Um, you're a, the fourth. Correct. Uh, Thomas Todd, the fourth, Thomas Gerard Todd, the fourth. For the record. Thank you. Um, so I, it's always been a pet peeve of mine that people refer to people add the junior onto the last name. You know, they don't call him Wade. They call him Wade Jr. Um, I mean, why is that? Like, if you just say Wade, like, shouldn't shouldn't Junior be a modifier of the first name, not the last name? He's Lamont Junior Wade, right? Like, it, it, why would your why would your jersey say Wade Junior? Why would or why why would literally your jersey say Todd the Fourth? Why why not just Todd? So you want me to be Thomas the Fourth Todd? <laughs> yes. No, I mean, I'm not saying you should say it like that, but I'm saying if you're referring to the player by their last name, you just say the last name. You don't need to add, you don't need to add the uh, junior or third or fourth or whatever. How, how do other cultures handle this? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, uh, you know, they, for the most part, it's, you know, we, there weren't family names originally. You just be the first name and then you'd be son of, and then your yeah. paternal line. I'm, so like, I'm Daniel Williamson. Right, Daniel, son of William. Yes, I would be uh, Thomas Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't really explain any of this stuff, you know, not being an anthropologist or a cultural anthropologist, but um, I'm going to keep the four right where it's at, if that's okay. Right, I'm just saying, if you, know, if, you, if you have a jersey or somebody's referring to you by the last name, just say your last name. Like, it's not like you need to say Wade Jr. to differentiate him from like a different jun- a different Wade on the same team. The one that right? always got the one that always well, it's a way to honor your your parents and honor your family, and I, I totally understand that. The one I never got was the uh, adding the senior to the jersey. Yeah. Oh, uh, that <laughs> in the NFL, uh, T- Titus uh, was the wide receiver, Titus Young or whatever his name was. You'd add uh, senior to his jersey, and it's like, yeah. all right, you got you got kids. Good job. 
job. I think Steve Smith became Steve Smith Sr. on his jersey for the end of his career. Without any proof, not any physical proof on the field of there being a junior, you know. Right. Br- bring your son to the game. I want to But see also, it. like, you're not going to get confused. Oh, is this junior or senior? It, oh, junior is one year old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not confused as to whether, you know whether I'm looking at uh, at Mohammed Sanu Jr. or a senior here. Um, but here's here's my here's my theory, and maybe Lamont Wade Jr. is is actually the exception to this that that proves that I'm wrong. But it feels like baseball players in particular are more likely to put Junior in their like baseball name in their display name if their dad was an out was a was a ball player. Oh, so Vlad and Cal Ripken and Ken Griffey. Right. Or, you know, Eric Young Jr. I mean, there, there are a bunch of guys. I bet Boyd for him. Uh, Fernando Tatis uh, Jr. That, that's one where you have to be specific. <laughs> I just think you're far more likely to play baseball if your dad played baseball. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, anyway, so Lamont Wade Jr., uh, a.k.a. Wade Jr., in case uh, he's doing great. You know who this isn't a problem for? Me? No, Billy Ripken. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, well, you know, you know, Jews don't Jews don't have juniors. Jews don't name people after living people. It's a thing. Is that really a thing? Yeah. Um, or I heard it was. I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I may have just been repeating something that I that that isn't true, but that that was what I learned. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess I've never yeah I've never uh, put the put those numbers together. Um, so anyway, let's talk about the All Star Game, everybody's favorite. Um, the uh, uh, so we got Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, and Mike Yastrzemski are all uh, All Star Game starter finalists. Um, Get Posey. Yaz out of there! Get Yaz out of no, there! No, he's been gr- he's been so good. He's been good. He hasn't been one of the nine best outfielders in baseball. Yeah, I mean, and Derek Jeter didn't deserve to be in two thirds of the All Star games he was in, but two words: Minka Kelly. <laughs> two um, more words: Mariah Carey. <laughs> How many more words do you have? Those are the only ones I can remember. All right, probably the only ones Derek Jeter can remember. Um, so Posey is uh, number one among all catchers, uh, the way the way uh, everything should be. Crawford. His third, he went up ahead of Corey Seager, um, despite the fact that Corey Seager has not played in quite some time. And uh, Yastrzemski is in ninth place. Yeah, um, we're, in this, we're in this part of all-star voting where there's now two phases of fan voting. So back when we were children, which is who this game is intended for, obviously, fan voting was done in the stadium with a stack of cards that you pull out of a, a display case and then you just jab at with a pencil for the entirety of a baseball game. Yeah. And Voting for the all-star game is, you know, is just like prenatal care early and often. It was like betting on horse racing. You're just like filling out confusing forms and then maybe you'll win and you don't actually really know what happened. And then the newspaper gives you some numbers and guys go to the all-star game. And then, uh, you know, we haven't said his name, but, uh, Kevin Gossman is almost certainly going to be in the all-star game. Um, uh, Dee Sclafani has also had an incredible season and Tyler Rogers has been great. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, as long as, as long as Jake DeGrom is, um, exists in the world, Gossman is probably not going to be the all-star game 
uh, starter. But How healthy is Degrom right now? I mean, he he he's pitching. He's I think. pitching. Okay, I know he had a little he had a little bat or something. Yeah, no, I think he's back. Um, so I mean, Degrom is just having an, an otherworldly season. But um, you know, Gossman and 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 Scofani and Rogers are. are probably going to be part of the the all-star team um which would be the first time the giants have had multiple all-stars since 2016 that's incredible which is uh just an amazing fact that i've i pulled up myself <laughs> no, thank you thomas for pulling that um so so here's my question apropos of of nothing uh, baseball reference has this really cool positional comparison tool and you can pull up um where the Giants, uh, where, where each team sits in terms of wins above replacement at a given position compared to the rest of the league. Hmm. Um, so this is just National League. Um, so the Giants right now have 9.5 wins above average total, um, but uh, which is divided into pitchers, and I mean, just divided between all the different positions. Um, that their 9.5 is significantly more than any other team. Um, the next highest are the Dodgers and the Padres, who are tied with 7.1. Um, all so all pitching, so starting and relieving, the Giants are about middle of the road with 2.5. Um, starting pitching, they're again about middle of the road with 4.3. Um, they're in the lower end of the middle of the pack in relief pitching with negative 1.3. Uh, but the, the chart for relief pitching is really quite incredible because the Cubs have 3.5 wins above average from their bullpen. No other team has above 0.4. So it, why, ha- why have starters Chicago? Don't just get rid of it. It's just, it's just incredible. Um, but let's, let's look down the line. So, uh, where, where, just from an observer's perspective, um, and, and I want to go into this saying that the Giants lead all teams in non-pitcher wins above average. Yes. Um, lead, lead all American League teams. Um, where do you think they're strong and where do you think they're weak? I'm going to say that the shortstop position is very strong. All right. So the Giants are second highest in wins above average at shortstop behind the Padres, as you would imagine, Fernando Tatis Jr. I'm going to say that the outfield is strong. Yes, the Giants have the best overall outfield. They don't have the best individual at any one outfield position, um, but all outfield combined is number one at 1.7, wins above average. I'm going to say they suffer a little bit at second base. They suffer quite a bit at second base. They're negative 0.1, wins above average, um, and that's 171 Donovan Solano played appearances and then 60 or fewer from Flores, La Stella. Remember La Stella played some of this season? Um, Dubon and Vossler, who four played appearances. And but I'm yeah, gonna say, below I'm average. Gonna, I'm going to say that they do okay on the corners. I'd say slightly positive at first and third. So, yes, the Giants are second highest at first oh. behind only the Dodgers. And that's made up of Belt, Ruff, Wade, Jr., Flores, and, again, very little bit of Vossler. Um, the Dodgers have Max Muncy and Pujols, who's surprisingly good. Um, but Max Muncy's having an all-star season. Um, and then the Giants are a little bit above uh, the middle at third, um, again, with Longoria, Flores, Vossler, Dubon, and, again, Listella. Do you remember Listella playing this season? 
Definitely not um, third base. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're behind the Padres with Manny Machado, um, the the um, the Cardinals with our old friend Nolan Arenado, the Rockies with Josh Fuentes and Ryan McMahon, who are both sure. baseball players. Sure. Um, and they're they're tied with the Cubs with old Chris Bryant and old friend Matt Duffy. Um, Skeeter. So, but looking at the rest, so like I said, the the uh, the outfield as a whole is the best in the National League. Left field is very bad. Left field, they've been negative uh, 0.05 wins above average, and that's made up mostly of Dickerson, Talkman, Wade, Slater. Slater. Ruff. Slater. Slater's been really bad this year. I like Slater a lot. He's just he hasn't played very he hasn't played very much because they haven't faced many lefties. And he just hasn't played very well when he has been playing. Um, but I, I kind of thought he was going to have the season that Duggar's having right now. Yeah, um, he's, been a, he's been one of the lone standout disappointments for this roster. Yeah, and then the Giants are third in center and third in right. Uh, center's field has been made up mostly of Duggar, also Slater, and then a little bit of Dubon. Right Talkman field is yes, yeah, yeah, Queen. Right. Uh, right field has been almost entirely Yastrzemski with a little bit of Talkman, Slater, Wade, etc. Um, and then, <laughs> last but not least, the Giants have 0.5 wins above average, which uh, is more, which is 0.5 more than anyone else at pinch hitter. Mm. The Giants have a whole win above average at pinch hitter, which counts. It all counts. Well, and that's a volume thing, too, because Kapler has been using, what do they call it, the shift change, where it, not not the entire lineup, but big chunks of the lineup will turn over simultaneously in the fifth, sixth, or seventh inning. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, you, you see him pinch hit, and then, uh, and then like, I, like we were saying, a guy like Wade might start the team, might start the game, um, and then as soon as they pull the starter – uh, the, the he'll pinch hit somebody like Slater, and then Slater stays in for the rest of the game. Um, and speaking of which, uh, of the pinch hitting, of pinch hitting, Slater has been uh, the 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 has the most plate appearances at pinch hitter for the Giants, which I would not have guessed. Um, second is Ruff and Flores Dickerson, you know, and you see a lot of these guys are are pinch hitting. I mean there 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 are starters on this list. You've got Flores, Dickerson, Duggar, Dubon, um, and guys like Yastremsky and Belt because and Posey because that's um that's how this team has been working. And one it, of the best pinch hitters in the National League, Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> yeah, didn't he hit like five pinch hit home runs for the Braves last year or something like that? This year, it was at least three or four in the first couple weeks of the season. It was wild. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the Giants. And, you know, I, they're, they're only leading in a couple categories. But, uh, oh, you didn't, you didn't mention catcher. But catcher, catcher is – that's an obvious po- one. They're, they're very positive. But casali has been doing his best to, to drag that down. Well, so they're number one. Uh, uh, they're 1.2 wins above average. Posey has 205 plate appearances. Casali has – 99 um and caselli's been been trending upward uh he's been doing well i mean another guy that's the nicest thing you've ever said about another human being (laughs) trending upward (laughs) uh another i mean another guy along those lines also is uh is wilmer flores you know he 
his season numbers are not very good, but um, he's he's been playing really well recently um, since he got off the IL in in May. Um, he uh, let's see, so he got off the IL uh, on May 29th, came back, um, and since then. He's batting 319 with a 925 OPS, which is obviously excellent. So, and he plays so many different positions. So he's been really nice to have him back. I mean, he's, it's like they were talking about on the broadcast today uh, with Elvis Andrews. Like Elvis Andrews has been, been batting 290 for the last two months, but his overall numbers are still like 220 because he didn't get a hit in all of April. And, uh, you know, so Wilmer Flores' numbers, are, his season number is still 759 OPS with a 259 batting average neither of those is particularly impressive but for the last month he's been one of the better hitters on the team and i think with the mention and the deep dive into flores stats we have now talked about every single person on the giants roster well yeah we're going for an all-time all-time uh length uh, podcast here Actually, i think we're keeping it pretty tight we've just been really efficient which is more of a basketball term than a baseball term sabermetrically but so just to back up my point <laughs> in the month of June, and I should mention this, that uh, Kurt Casale ended May with a 104 batting average and a 369 OPS. Again, OPS, 369 OPS nice. in the month of June in eight games, 26 plate appearances. He's batting 375. With an 11.73 OPS. The other so, stuff still happened. Well, I know, but uh, but but good games happen too. Is my point. Mm-hmm. All right, are you ready to look ahead? Let's look ahead. Let's look into the future. But you're already in the future. How is the future? How is it three hours from now? It's hot. Yeah. It's going to be a hot week in New York City. Um, looking ahead here, I looked at fan graphs, as I, I think I did for the first time this season. Uh, they have the Giants predicted to win uh, less than half of their remaining games. Uh, fan graphs mm. not, exa- not exactly bullish on the Giants not believing in the start. These are numbers, Danny. You can get mad at numbers. These aren't people. They're not like rats in cages doing, you know, You're telling me I wheels. shouldn't call up and yell at our old friend Dan Zimborski? I mean, you should because he loves the attention. But uh, <laughs> Fangraphs does still give the Giants uh, almost an 85% chance to make the playoffs based on their astounding record. Uh, they most definitely are not locked into because it's too early in the season, but are uh, favorites to at least win a wild card, if not the division outright. Um, the only division that I would say and that Fangraphs would say is more up for grabs uh, is the AL East, only because four teams – can still conceivably win that, whereas uh, the Diamondbacks and the Rockies are already making plans for 2022. It's just incredible how how bad they are. I mean, like the like the Rockies, and uh, I'm not exactly I don't have this through today, but the coming into today, I think the Rockies were like 19 games out of first, which is incredible in June. The Diamondbacks are 29 games out of first. It's just like, how can you be mathematically eliminated before the All-Star break? It's just incredible. Well, and the Diamondbacks had not until the other night won a road game since Madison Bumgarner's faux hitter, I guess we're calling it. Is that what we're calling it? I'm calling it the faux hitter. It's not bad. I don't don't hate that. (laughs) 
Um, so, I mean, but, you know, good on them because this was the season to be bad because you already knew going into the season that the Dodgers and Padres were going to have great teams. They did not know that there was going to be a third upper echelon team in the division. So imagine if you're the Rockies and Diamondbacks and you've poured everything into your roster to try and push yourselves over the threshold of being mediocre, only to be absolutely demolished by these three behemoths. Yeah, I mean, like, like you, the Diamondbacks were obviously trying to win at a certain point. I mean, they signed Madison Bumgarner. Like, he was a big signing for them. Um, I mean, I know that wasn't his last year, but, um, like, these teams, I know the, the, you know, the Rockies traded Nolan Arenado, um, but, like, some of these teams are occasionally making signs like they want to win. And, <laughs> and it's just not working out for them. Somebody has I, you to know, lose all these games. Somebody has to lose all I, these games. I feel bad. No, you um, don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do you put any stock in these project in these projections? Like, do you think? I mean, thirty thousand foot view. Do you think the Giants are playing above their skill level, or do yes. you think they're like Farhan's got the secret sauce? No, they're playing well, above. Or a little their bit skill of both. Level. They're playing above their skill level. I mean, Farhan does have the secret sauce, as is evidenced by the the pendulum swinging up for the team. You know, last year nearly nearly making the postseason, and this year almost a lock. Uh, I'm going to say that and regret that to make the postseason. Um, but I, I will bring up a thing because last week I, I threw a little temper tantrum in my house when uh, I believe uh, MLB or or. Oh God, I remember the website. Somebody partnered with like Kelly Moore Paints or Benjamin Moore, whichever the Moore Paints sponsored a power rankings. And it kind of made the rounds on Twitter and it had the Dodgers, who at the time, at the time, were one and a half games behind the Giants in the division. It was just a, a point last week where the Dodgers were one and a half games behind the Giants in the division. And this particular set of power rankings ranked the Dodgers number one. They're the reigning champs. They're one and a half games back in their division. They have an absolutely stacked roster of players with great MLB experience, great skills. And our fans, our friends, our Twitter people, absolutely freaked the hell out. And what I want to say to them is, you you could be right. The Giants could finish higher than the Dodgers this season. They could go further in the playoffs. They now are three games or two games further up than they were before. But at the time, what are you supposed to do when you make power rankings? Are you supposed to just list the team's records in, in reverse order. Like, what are you supposed to do? There has to be something different, right? Or else why make the list? Well, yeah, but I, you know, I think, I think you can put a little bit more into it. Like, um, like look at, look at the offensive numbers, look at the de- look at the pitching numbers, you know, like you can look at, you can look at run differential. You're, and- you're telling me that all those people looked at all those things before they posted something online. No, but you're asking what could you do? You know, what what could go into a power rankings? It's not just, all right, well, the Giants have more wins, so they're going to win more games. Like, obviously, yeah, you're, you're not just going to do that. But um, but I think that in the power rankings, uh, which I famously get annoyed over, <laughs> in, in which you are immune to, um, it's just like you you look at the you look at some teams that. And, and and it's like how how could you think that this team like you may have thought this team was going to be better going in but 
but why do you still think that, you know, like, like looking, like our, like looking at fan graphs, the, um, um, the fan graphs projected rest of the season has the Mets tied for the most wins for the rest of the season. They think the Mets are going to win 50 more games between now and the end of the season. Um, they have the giants winning 43 more games. The giants are 10, not only are they 10 wins higher than the, uh, the Mets in the standings, but they have an, an 81, a plus 81 better run differential. You know, I mean, the Mets are doing a lot of things really well this season. That's absolutely true. But like, I mean, shouldn't some of what's gone well this season so far or gone poorly for some teams uh, like uh, play into that? Shouldn't there be a little bit more thought that goes into it? And there probably was. But one and a half games up in the standings does not mean that a team is automatically above another team in the standings. And you can't freak out when someone subjectively or even perhaps with some level of objectivity decides to put one team above the other. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Fangraph still has Giants to finish with 93 wins, which like, which is the same as the Padres. They're projecting the Giants and the Padres to finish with the same record, 93 and 69, uh, which would be nice. Um, it would be disappointing, like, like you said, because from, you know, that would mean we're 500 for the rest of the season from here on out. But I don't think you can, anybody can, you know, realistically be disappointed by a 93 win season, especially when you come into it thinking that, uh, you know, you're going to be a distant third. Um, but I don't know. I, I just, I, I do think that people, I think that people on the East Coast don't watch West Coast games. I think they kind of have Bill Simmons disease where they forget the National League exists. And it's just they like it gets the annoying. Dodgers, they rank the Dodgers number one. This goes against well, both of the things you no, just the said. The Dodgers are basically an East Coast team. What? <laughs> You're the worst person. You're the worst person. All right. Well, yeah. I'm, and I'm not disagreeing with you there, but. That, that you're the worst person? Yeah. You need to find a co-host with a better wins above average because mine is a, mine is sinking fast. I need to find a co-host whose parents didn't love him so much. <laughs> I need to find a broken person to host with. Somebody with some shame. All right. Well, so coming up, uh, the Giants. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to say to that. I went to, okay, I'm going to tell this story real quick. I went to a wedding last weekend, first first post-pandemic wedding. Beautiful, beautiful site in upstate New York. Wonderful couple. She's Brazilian. He's from uh, a second or third generation Irish-American family. So uh, a bit of a culture clash at the wedding. Um, the officiant for the wedding was a family friend on the Brazilian side, and she gave what I would say is an evangelical uh, view of a wedding ceremony where her highlighted topics were bring Jesus into your life and have a lot of sex. Interesting. In uh, that she, order? In that order. Okay. And, and she talked for a while. And I, I, you know, she did a great job. Beautiful, beautiful speech, but a lot of religion, a lot of sex in her speech. And then a representative from the groom's family came out and she had to hard pivot she came out and said, well, on that note, and I feel like that's what you just had to do there. You had to make a hard pivot away from me just absolutely assassinating your upbringing. 
I, I don't feel anything. I don't feel assassinated at all. Because your parents hugged you. Yes. <laughs> they held you so close. They listened <laughs> to your stories. We had your father on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so the Giants are, are going to L.A. for two games, uh, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, those are going to be really. Those are going to be really excellent pitching matchups. It's going to be Discofani against our old friend Trevor Bauer. Everyone's friend. Everyone's everyone's pal. friend. Everyone's favorite person, Trevor Bauer. And, which you know, it, it's nice because like I live in San Diego now, and uh, the Padres are good, and Padres fans are 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 very excited. And um, you know, I. I I'm an outspoken Giants fan, so there's a lot of ar- a lot of arguing, a lot of so so brave, so brave of you, so brave, yeah. Um, uh, but there's one thing that you know brings us all together, which is we just fucking hate Trevor Bauer. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, Trevor Bauer minus uh, minus his spider tack. Let's see, let's see what the Giants can do against him. Um, again, against our old friend, uh, against uh, Anthony Scalfani, and then uh, the next game is going to be the, the, a true matchup, true matchup of aces, uh, Kevin Gosman against Walker Bueller, who's obviously having an excellent season. Wait, Clayton Kershaw's not their ace. Well, yeah. Walker's also an ace for them. I'm kidding. It's not Clayton Kershaw. I mean, love you, Clayton. You're not the ace. I mean, he's still great. He's still great, but. I think Bueller is the one I'm more afraid of these days. Um, it's going it's to be a cool two-game series. I like this two-game series because at worst, nothing too terrible happens. At best, uh, it's nice to beat the Dodgers in a two-game set. I just, I really fear like four-game series against division rivals that are close in the standings just because your mind swing things so much. Your mind immediately goes to the worst places. And then even if things go terrible in this two-game series, we go to Arizona for four games and just absolutely clean up. Yeah, well, I mean, let's hope. So the, the, the Diamondbacks have been – so two games against L.A. They have uh, an off day on the 30th on Wednesday, then four games in Arizona, uh, then back home, three games against St. Louis, uh, an off day, and then three games at home against the Nationals, and then we have the All-Star break. But so, see, Danny, Danny, this is like this is like so so this is like me telling you you have to run a seven minute mile. Okay. But then at the end of that, I have reservations for us at the Cracker Barrel, and the chocolate fountain is just spouting. I've never been to Cracker Barrel, and so I don't really understand your metaphor. But go ahead. Uh, comfort food, lots of it, chocolate fountain. So, so the Diamondbacks. Um, as as we've discussed before, I've been historically awful on the road. They're ten and thirty-two. They're actually not that much better at home. I was I was going to say, well, you know, they're playing them at home. They're twelve and twenty-four, which is a a, a one-third, a three thirty-three win percentage, which is actually a lot better than their two thirty-eight win percentage on the road. It's pretty good math for a government lawyer. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, so that they they should have a good. Um, good chance of doing well in those four games. Uh, St. Louis is a few games below 500 in their division. Um, they, I mean, they have Nolan Arenado. They have Paul Goldschmidt. They have all the, all the superstars from the NL West that we don't have to play anymore. And now they went to St. Louis and they're not as good. So um, love that for them. Wait. So what's, what's your preferred gross restaurant? Like, 
Uh, what, what do you mean by gross restaurant? You know, like rustic or chain or, you know, something you're like, you know, I, I have to apologize for this, but I kind of like this place. Does Nations count? Mm, we'll give it to you. Is Nations too nice for your uh Oh, no, it's not, too, it's not too nice. It's just not sit down here rustic enough. You know, you got Black Bear Diner, Cracker yeah, Barrel. Yeah, I, li- I do like a good Black Bear Diner. Um, although I didn't go there for the first time until I was like in my thirties probably, or, you know, like there, I mean, there, there just haven't been that many around where I lived. Um, let's see. I was a sizzler kid. Oh, you're a sizzler kid. All right. Yeah. Although, you know, I, I, again, I, it's not like I've gone there all that much. I, you know, you know, the one that I really love, and this is not a chain, but I think it fits is, uh, Oh God, I'm going to, I can't believe I can't remember the name. Um, describe, describe it to me like a movie by the actors. I'll get it. <laughs> it's a it's a twenty four hour diner. Oh, Pinecrest Diner in San Francisco. Have you have you been to Pinecrest Diner? I have not. Uh, so it's incredible. It's like right by all the theaters. So like we would like go to plays and then go there and have just like a plate of like garbage at midnight. It was excellent. But I think I think actually the the correct answer to your question is Mel's. I love Mel's. Yes. That's what I was going to bring up when you said a twenty four hour diner. I, Sacramento, San Francisco. I've been to all the Mel's. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, where I, w- near where I grew up. Uh, so in Emeryville. No, I mean uh, in, in Shad on Shattuck in Berkeley, there was a Mel's diner right next to the movie theater, and so my family would always go to Mel's and then go to the movies and. Yeah, no, I love Mel's. I love the I love the jukeboxes. I love the little jukeboxes at each table. I'm a Mel's kid. I, I have I, I have no misconceptions that it's not a dirty, disgusting restaurant, but I love it. I will always love Mel's. G- give me a basket of fries and a milkshake. Yeah, exactly, and enough quarters to you know play songs over and over again and piss everyone off. It's not unusual. I was just talking to someone about uh, about John Mulaney. I'm always um, talking to someone about John Mulaney. All right, Danny, okay. are we ready to wrap? Um, yes, I think I think we are. I was just looking at the uh, at the the Cardinals numbers, um, and I'm right. So Paul Goldschmidt uh, famously terrorizing the Giants, seven thirty eight OPS this season. Um, not more quite like, as more not like quite brunch, as much of a worry. Like, more like brunch, made him right. <laughs> uh Nolan Arenado 838 OPS which is pretty good but uh still you know a step down from when he was terrorizing the Giants it, it's just incredible how the the Cardinals just pull all the guys we used to fear from the NL West and uh got them out of our faces I love it more like lol in Arenado am I right I'm just gonna all keep right, doing well. this until you end the show <laughs> <laughs> um well let's do predictions so are we, are we gonna do one week or two week of predictions we'll do two weeks because i'm i'm off next weekend all right so well let's let's go let's go through to the all-star break so the it. giants uh the giant two games in la four games in arizona so that's six three games at home is nine three games uh, against washington at home is 12 how do you think the giants do in their 12 games coming up between now and the all-star break the Svengali, and I've been so right so many times these last few weeks. Uh, I say the Giants go seven and five. All right, how do you how do you distribute that? Uh, they sweep the Diamondbacks, and they look no. They're going to take three or four from the Diamondbacks, and they look thoroughly mediocre against everybody else. Okay, so f- they sweep the Diamondbacks, and then they go 
three and five against the rest of the against the other teams. Put it on the board. All right. I think of it, I think they're going to split with the Dodgers and then they're going to win every series but not sweep. Mm. So let's see. So that's one win against the Dodgers, three wins against the D-backs, and then two and then two, which, you know, I can do math of adding one plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one. Um, that's six wins. I think they go – I mean, that's eight wins. I think they go eight and four. Okay. I've got seven and five. You've got eight and four. I've been right all year. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this has been a fun season. Um, and whatever happens between now and the all-star break, you know, I would love to see our guys there. Um, if, are there more chances to vote on the all-star break or uh, all-star team? Or is it, is it all down to the managers now? Phase two goes until Thursday. Okay. So let's let, let's get them the giants pod bump <laughs> and, uh, let's get our guys in the all-star game. Um, thank you for listening. He's Thomas Dodd. I'm Danny Zarchi. Do not follow us on social media. And go Giants. And go Giants. I started counting up instead of down. Oh, is that what you were doing with your fingers? Yeah, that was confusing. <laughs> and then I started counting down again. I was like, I'm confused now.